0: Most people are aware of their own financial balance sheet. As soon as we buy our first car or house, we become aware of it. If you're of a certain personality type, you may track it quite a bit. But I'd submit to you that we're also unconsciously aware of another balance sheet. And this one is sometimes tricky to measure and even harder to manage. Sometimes we often find it hard to put into words. But it's real nonetheless. I call this our intangible balance sheet. What I mean by this are those life principles, experiences, memories, and stories that given any amount of money, we wouldn't trade. They're the memories that bring tears of joy to our faces because we simply can't imagine life without them. We feel fortunate to have had them. It could be our first jobs, proposals, wedding days, births, struggles, anxieties, or fears, and maybe even some hindsight. It's all those things that melt into a memory, that bring a distant stare to our face, and maybe even a smile. We feel lucky to have had them because they're what has made us, us. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the intangible balance sheet. It's those moments in life that may be financially irrational, but which are indispensable parts of who we are. So these episodes are focused on the stories that bring us joy, happiness, fulfillment, and ultimately may hold necessary keys that will direct the future for our family, friends, and maybe even neighbors. So listen in with us as we discover some of those stories that are meaningful to our guests, and maybe you'll even uncover hidden value on your own intangible balance sheet. Welcome into the Wisdom and Wealth podcast. Today is another of our intangible balance sheet episodes. I'm Josh Clues, the Senior Wealth Planner for Carson Wealth here in the Woodlands, Texas. Today, I'm joined by Heidi Wilborg, and she is going to be uh, sharing from her intangible balance sheet. And I'm excited to uh, hear more about your story, Heidi. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Josh.
0: For those uh, listeners that may be a a little bit uh, newer to the concept, um, I believe everybody has an intangible balance sheet. And what I mean by that is that uh, we have value that lives on in our our lives and in in our family's story that can't be quantified. You can't put a a numeric value to it, but it's intangibly valuable it's it's worth more than more than money to us um because of what it's taught us what it means to us so on and so forth and um so it's one of those things that, uh, I find is best translated through stories. Um, and so, you know, that is the gist of the podcast. That is the the impetus of the podcast, if you will. But Heidi, could you, before we dive into, um, the conversation, could you just give our listeners a little bit of your background and introduce yourself briefly?
1: Sure. So, um, As you said, uh, my name is Heidi. I live in Houston, so pretty close to the Woodlands, and I'm an estate planning attorney. I've done this area of law for quite a while, since about 2009. I started as a paralegal, and then I went to law school and became an attorney. I also um, have two kids, if you want to know that side, two grown children, and I have a grandson. So. Um, and my daughter and my grandson live here in
0: Houston with me. That's even better because then that means that, uh, you get to see them pretty, pretty frequently then probably, right? Yes. Excellent. Well, it, the, um, one of the other things that I don't want to give short shrift to is, uh, the influence that our family can have on our, our, you know, intangible balance sheet. Are there any stories, Heidi, that, um, your grandparents are, are about your grandparents or even your parents that, uh, have been, you know, through myth and legend have been passed on, um, to you?
1: Sure. Yes. I mean, so I've got both sides of my family oh, we've got a pretty good family history going back. So I can do either side, but, um, you can start with my, on my dad's side, my great grandmother. So it was my grandmother's mother. She came to the United States on a boat out of, um, it's like Germany area, but I know Germany doesn't, somewhere near Germany, but anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so she was four and she came and landed here in Galveston, Texas. Um, Found her name on the ship manifest, so it's true. (laughs) I found it the other day.
0: What what time frame are we talking about here?
1: 1896, I believe. It was like right before the 1900s. So wow, yeah. Um, And then so they we've got the that that we found, and we also discovered there were two older brothers that came over, and they didn't make it. they passed away somewhere in Texas, mm. and but the family migrated up to Montana, and that's where I'm. I'm originally from, so it's kind of interesting to me that my American roots are here in Texas, but then I was in Montana, and then the Midwest, and then finally found my way here. So back to. Where so we came.
0: similar similar story for myself personally, but uh, we went to Nebraska instead. Um, so I would imagine the, the, the draw to Montana may have been, you know, it was a land claim state would be my guess at some point, but you know, who knows, right?
1: Right. Mm. I, I don't and, know for sure, actually, like that part where we are not a hundred percent sure why they went to Montana.
0: Yeah. What about your parents? Are there any, any stories about their lives that, uh, influence you and, and your family?
1: Definitely. Um, so. My parents, when I was before I was born, they were both teachers, and they also were involved in this organization called Young Life. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they helped kids in college. They had like like a Bible study and a small group, and so that's kind of the culture I grew up in. Even though they didn't really do that as much when I was um, a little kid, but when I got older, my mom continue to do stuff like that. So we always had people over that uh, were basically strangers that we were just helping (laughs) all the time. Um, Mm. So that, that definitely had an impact on my life because I, I think, you know, just being exposed to different cultures and meeting different people and realizing that we're kind of all the same, you know, that's very interesting to grow up like that.
0: Absolutely. Now, are there, where do you call home, um, for for your growing up years? Are there any barbershop? I call them barbershop stories, um, of our, of our community, but are there any influences of where you grew up that stick with you to this, to this day?
1: Well, so I was born in Montana, but moved to South Dakota when I was 10 and I finished high school and did two years of college there. So I would say that's where I grew up. Right. So Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I don't know if you've ever been there. Very close. I have. To your <laughs> yep, I have. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know. I had a pretty typical childhood. I don't know. There, not, nothing too exciting there.
0: Yeah. And then um, what was it, you know, as, as you fast forward to, you know, your your career, um, you went from you know, being it, what was it that drew you to being a paralegal? If you, if you look back on it?
1: Well, that's a great question because, um, if you would ask me when I was 12 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a lawyer. Okay. If you asked me when I was 15, what do you want to be a lawyer? 18, a lawyer. <laughs> Always said, I want to be a lawyer. And then I got married and I had a kid and I <laughs> got stopped in the middle of school. And I said, oh, I can't be a lawyer anymore. Now it's over. You Mm -hmm. don't know what you don't know. So I decided I'll be a paralegal. That's the next best thing. And so I did that until someone said to me, you know, you can still go to school, law school, and be a lawyer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But um, I've always wanted to work in the law. I guess my passion. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, what was it um, and who was it specifically that kind of gave you pushed you over the edge to go hey I'm going to go back to law school and I'm I'm going to you know go ahead and and get my JD do you remember a specific turning point or anybody that in particular that stands out
1: um well it was kind of a a couple things so I was working at a law firm in South Dakota as a paralegal and we did primarily estate planning which is what I do now and that attorney there uh i would say she's my mentor and she she's now she's passed away but she had cancer and she came down to texas after i moved here i was getting cancer treatment and i was involved in kind of like meeting with her and she encouraged me to go she said you don't have to you know you you can definitely continue on to law school you don't have to stay as a paralegal and she even looked up there was a law school here in, in Houston South Texas College of Law that had part-time uh, uh, like law classes which is unheard of most law schools you have to like do the whole live on campus four years you're, or three years I'm sorry or you can't do a part-time thing and she's like you can do part-time you can keep working and and so I looked into that and she really pushed me to that And then my mother also said, It's what you've always wanted to be. Just do it. So here I am.
0: (laughs) Was there ever a point um, where uh, you you regretted the decision uh, in the midst of of law school where you're just like, oh, what have I done?
1: (laughs) You know, I think everyone says that when they take the bar exam. (laughs) Okay. But I actually really enjoyed law school actual three years of classes and learning, I found it so interesting. Uh, I don't have any regrets whatsoever.
0: Mm. So what I'm taking away from what I'm hearing so far is just, I don't think you see limits. I don't think you see bookends to, to almost anything. Um, and you're an incredibly curious person because there, there comes a point at which I think, you know, um, you'd have to be curious and you like to learn. Um, what, what beliefs and principles, uh, would you say led you, you know, to continue furthering your career? Um, cause it, it's a fairly unconventional. I mean, if, if we took a bell curve of all JD holders and, and lawyers out there, um, mm-hmm. your, your story is fairly unique. Um, and, um, it's just very unique in that, that, Respect. So, I'm just curious what your what principles do you look back on and say, "Hey, these principles have served me well, and these are the beliefs that led me to where I am today."
1: Ooh, that's like a loaded question, Josh. No (laughs) beliefs. uh, I would say I am curious. I always ask questions, and I always feel like you can grow as a person, and there is really no limit. You're right. You just you can you do whatever you set your mind to do. So I strongly believe that. And I've, I've done, I guess unconventional ways to get to where I am today. I feel like there's still room to grow. There's still things I'm learning. I learn new things all the time, sometimes from people way younger than me. Sometimes from people older than me, you just never know where you're going to learn something. And I, I'm always wanting to improve and get better. So, um, I like one one thing I did is I went back to after law school I got my LLM which not everybody knows what that is but it's a master of laws degree and you have to have your JD first and then you can do a specialized area and I did I took it in tax with a concentration in estate planning and I did that because in law school I found out that I'm really weird and I like tax so,
0: <laughs> We're going to talk about death next, so it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's
1: my life death and taxes.
0: (laughs) No. So um, I'd be curious for your take on this, especially doing what you do. Um, So there comes this magical point. David Brooks, the Wall Street, or rather the um, New York Times columnist, um, wrote an article probably. Gosh, close to 10 years ago now, where he said, you know, hey, there's this magical point in life where we realize that um, we were building a resume. And all along, we should have been building a eulogy because <laughs> that's ultimately what matters. <laughs> so, uh, from your side of the table, being um, in the estate world, um, what would be some of the things that, given your experience, you hope are on your eulogy and that you hope make up? um, how, how you remembered, um, cause you have a really unique experience to, to, to that, mm. that field.
1: That's true. That's true. And I read a lot of obituaries, um, because when I do probate, I ask for the family to send it a lot of times or they'll just send it. So, um, it's interesting that you asked that question because I read them and I've thought, why would they put that in their obituary? Like. You know, it's clearly like somebody wrote it at the last minute. So I've been thinking I do want to write my own so that I don't mm-hmm. have some random stuff in there. <laughs> 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 but then am I creating my own, like what I want to be remembered for? And is it really what people remember me for? I don't know. That's another question. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, what I hope it would say in there is that I helped people. Mm-hmm. you know, doing what I do. Cause that's, that's my goal just yeah. to help them get <clears throat> everything set. So hopefully they don't have a rough transition, their family anyway, with a probate. Cause I see a lot of probates where families are a mess and people are fighting mm-hmm. and it could have been prevented. If somebody had a will or had something in place or better communication. And so I hope that I can help families get through that, you know, on yeah. both ends, either
0: plan or, or help them if they, if they didn't. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I helped write my mom's eulogy and to your point, I can't help, but I couldn't help but wonder, um, am I, mom, am I getting everything? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> is, is that supposed to be there? <laughs> wow, you
1: know, like,
0: that's uh, but, um, you know, one of the things that we, is funny, we do actually encourage people to write their eulogy. Um, and then just say, Hey, if it's not an eulogy, it's really not important at the end of the day. Like it, it may be important, but in a lesser sense, like you'll survive, right? If it's, if it's not, you know, something that, that you want that to look like, or you want your life to look like. Um, Right. Another thing that I'd be curious for your take on is, um, especially given your, your field, um, a lot of people have gone to creating what they call an ethical will or, you know, kind of a, a transfer of, hey, these are the beliefs that have served, you know, your mom and I or, or myself well. Um, and we we would hope that you at least consider them in the future. And it's passed on to kids and grandkids. Have you seen that done? And if so, um, what are your thoughts on it? And then the, the follow up question of that would be, what are some of the things that are on your ethical will? Um, mm.
1: Right. No. Uh, so I have seen that done. I have I encourage my clients to write something, a note of some sort, especially if their children are younger, Mm -hmm. because if they're going to be losing a parent and they're young, they probably don't know their parent very well. So Mm. a, a nice note, letter, something, some stories are, you know, what what they want passed on is nice to have, and I think that's a a, something everybody should actually do is write something out. Doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be creative. Just these are my beliefs, and this is what I hope you know. My children also believe, or will take with them into their you know whatever their careers are and so forth. But what's in mine? I haven't written mine, Josh. So.
0: Well, I haven't written mine either. So that makes two of us, but
1: <laughs> i have to think, you know, I mean, but I hope in, in this, I'm pulling it out of like, so my children are in their twenties and they're just starting to become young adults and there's see- things I see and like, oh, I, maybe, maybe they were listening. Maybe, <laughs> maybe even though I thought they were ignoring me, they were actually listening. And that's, you know, to be, I would say off the top of my head, just like be responsible, be caring, Mm -hmm. be thoughtful. You never know where the other, where someone else is coming from that you meet Mm -hmm. and be, be aware of that. So that when you're out there talking to people and you, you, you take in their consideration and then yourself be responsible for yourself. Take care of, of what you're supposed to do in life. Be, be a, conscientious, I guess, citizen and take care of, of yourself, your children, your assets, your, your everything. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's more. I just can't think of it right now.
0: No. Heidi, thank you so much for your time today. Um, uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, and I promise that the next time we talk, it won't be about death and taxes, uh, but <laughs> it's uh, okay. If it we, is. <laughs> we wish you nothing But uh, truth, beauty, and goodness in the road ahead, and are just so grateful to have had this time to talk with you. right.
1: Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Very thought-provoking, Josh.
0: Indeed. Take care. All right.
1: Thanks.
0: Thank you again for joining us for this week's conversation. We trust that your time has left you both enriched and inspired to better invest your own intangible balance sheet. As always, we wish you and your family continued truth, beauty, and goodness on the road ahead. The opinions voiced in the Wisdom and Wealth podcast with Josh Cruz are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Guests are not affiliated with Carson Wealth Management LLC. To determine what may be appropriate for you, please consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services are offered through CWM LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Our address locally is 1780 Hughes Landing Boulevard, Suite 570, The Woodlands, Texas, 77380.